0: and we'll get started. Lord Jesus, I um, thank you so much for these ladies, I thank you so much for Ashley's willingness just to share her heart and her story um, and her wisdom. But Jesus, I just pray that you would speak to each one of us I pray that you would fall fresh just your word and your glory. And Lord Jesus, thank you that we do just carry your glory wherever we go. I just pray with Ashley. Ashley, I pray that you bless her. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would just fall fresh and pray that you would just... And that you would just release exactly what you want to release. Amen. 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 Hey, thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> okay. It's so funny, Jenna keeps saying rewiring expectation. And what I heard and my eyes saw when we talked about that was rewriting expectations. Those are two very different things almost, right? Um, and expecting something from the Lord is a new concept for me. Uh, It it goes back to um, he expects of me, I don't expect of him. Right? You hear the difference? There's like this subtle uh, nuance there in the relationship. And and instead, what he's done for me is he's done this holy exchange of I go, I'm going to give your expectation of me to you and in exchange he's given me i can have expectations of him now in that sometimes there are ways i expect him to work or i expect him to show up or i expect him to do things and i have it set in my mind that that's how he's going to do it this is how god works because it's how he's done it in the past it's how he has worked in my relationship before I've seen him do this before. So I'm expecting him to do the same thing or to do it the same way. I think I even had a teaching one time. So, you know, that seed just kind of stuck. You can know it's God if you've seen him do it like that before. Well, I turned that into I expect him to always do it that way. Okay? Okay, so let me tell you this fun story. Here's what, here's what I want you to walk away from this. If nothing else, I want you to walk away with this. He will do what he says he will do. Amen. It's his character. It's who he is. He may not do it the way you expect him. He may not do it the way I expect him to do it. And sometimes I don't even know how to expect him to show up. I just know he will. And he, he will do what he says he will do. So I'm going to share this story with you. Um. I had this opportunity, and uh, I, I run a small business. And in this business, I had this opportunity to earn a MacBook. And I was really excited about that. A couple of, I've been in business for about four years, and a couple other times that has been presented, and I've come up short, just short. And I'm going, oh, Lord, you know my laptop is a dinosaur, right? My, it was like 2009, that's how old my, my laptop is. It's barely cranking anything out. And so when this opportunity came up, it just, you know, it kind of pinged something in me, and I go, all right, God, let's go for this MacBook. Is that okay? Can I do that, Lord? Like, this conversation I'm having with him. And so I'm in my car one day, and sometimes I love this little game we play. Uh, My phone um, hooks Bluetooth to my car, and sometimes I just turn it on, and I go, all right, what are you going to talk to me about today? And so whatever song comes on, I'm just assuming that's the conversation we're going to have that day. That is happening at the same time. I'm going, I really want that MacBook. I'd really like to have this uh, laptop. It's a need. I'd really like to have it. Can we really, can I partner with you to go after this MacBook? Okay, so the song Extravagant Love comes on. I get in my car, my Bluetooth pops up, and I'm going, what does that mean, Lord? Like, Really speak to me. You love me extravagantly? Because I always thought I had, I had to. It was a must. I had to perform this extravagant love for you. And so I'm going, what does it mean that you love me extravagantly? So we're having this conversation the same time, same season, that this MacBook conversation's going on. And then, you want to know what the very next song was on my Bluetooth? I do not make this stuff up. Have y'all ever heard the Toby Mac song called Mac Daddy? I want a Mac Daddy. <laughs> the song is about his son wants a Mac, like, his, you know, Toby Mac's a rapper, musician, he's got like five children, and one of his, his oldest son wants a Mac because apparently you can do lots of musical things, like, with the technology in a MacBook, right? Um, and so, but that's, that's an old song, like, it's on my phone from six years ago, right? When my children, all we listened to was Toby Mac in the car because that's the one rapper I would let them listen to, you know. Um, so that was a long time ago. Anyway, so extravagant love, Mac Daddy. And I'm going, I can't make that up. God orchestrated that just for me. So at that moment, I decided we're going to go for this. I'm going to co-labor with you. Um, I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord. Um but I'm going to co-labor with you to, to get this, to this free Macbook. And I made, at that moment in my car, I said, I will not be disappointed if it doesn't happen. And then I reworded it, and then I went to, it's going to happen, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to co-labor with you, and I'm, I'm believing you that you said you're going to do this, because who else could have put those two songs together? Nobody even knew I was having that conversation with him, Right? Okay, so for six months we work. We work. I co-labor. I keep telling him, hey, you said we're going after this Mac. You said. You said we're going we're gonna get a MacBook. Okay, well we're coming up to December. The time is winding down, and I'm going, I don't I don't know how you're going I don't know how this is gonna happen. I'm looking at the data, right? In the natural with my eyes, I'm looking at the data. And I'm going, You said, and i said I'm not gonna be disappointed. But there's probably a little bit of expectancy back here of disappointment coming, right? Because I, I lived in a place of fear. I don't ask God because I don't want to be disappointed. And he's slowly pulling me out of that. But that's a stronghold. That's a veil of disappointment. I didn't even know she was going to talk about that, by the way. Um, so for a long time, many years with the Lord, I didn't ask because I didn't want to be disappointed. I didn't know I could ask. And then I wouldn't because I didn't want to be disappointed. And I didn't want to feel that way about God. Does that, you hear that? Such a lie of the enemy. Okay, so we're coming up, into December. I'm going, it's New Year's Eve. I don't know. i got to have this much, Lord, it, data-wise. i got to have this much to get that night. But I don't know how you're going to do it. But I'm going to enjoy the Spurs game with my people, and I'm not striving in that. Okay? So we wake up January 1st. I don't have what it takes to earn this MacBook, but I'm not disappointed because I'm in this posture with the Lord of, hey, you said, so help me understand why it didn't happen. Do you hear? Mm -hmm. I I'm not even entertaining being disappointed. Because I want to go, God, you're real, you're true, you keep your word with me, I know this, so help me see what you were doing, what's the revelation through this process? Now, in my business, December is a very hard month. It is not a popular month. Everybody, company-wide, is really struggling. Um, It tends to be a low month. And so, as I'm going, God, help me see this, I don't want to be disappointed. I'm not disappointed. But I know you say it. Like, I'm going back to extravagant love, Mac Daddy. Like, I can't make it up, right? Who, who, who can say that to me in such a personal way aside from my God? And so I'm going, Lord, we didn't, like, I co-labored. I did the best I could. I'm not disappointed. But I don't have a MacBook. And you said I was getting a MacBook. So, I mean, if, if I just get real with him, I'm going, I don't have it. And you said I was getting it. Do you know what he whispered? He said, but look at the bank account, Ashley. Look at what your paycheck was for December. December was the highest month I've ever had in my business. And I go, huh, you did exactly what you said you would do. You just didn't do it the way I expected. I thought we were co-laboring to go for a free MacBook. You see what I mean? I wanted to earn the free MacBook, and I wanted the paycheck. You see? So the temptation there was for me to be disappointed. I'm going to come back to that. God did exactly what he said he was going to do. He just didn't do it the way I thought he was going to do it. Okay? All right, expectation. I was expecting him this entire time to do something. We were going to land at a MacBook, right? The expectation was there. Come to December, come to the 1st of January. He just didn't do it the way I wanted him to or the way I expected him to. So I'm going, okay, Lord, I'm talking to you. I'm going, how do I know I can expect things? Like, how how do I know that's legal or or that that's okay with you, that that's honoring, that you made me that way in my relationship with you? Expectation took me all the way back to Genesis 3.15 in the garden. He planted the seed of expectation. He did that. When sin entered the garden, there was a separation. Adam and Eve exited the garden. And at that moment, God said to them and promised them a Messiah to come. He promised them a redemption story. So from there, in their heart, the seed of expectation was planted. They were to live a life of expecting that coming Messiah. So I thought, thank you, Lord. After 400 years of silence... Malachi, last book in the Old Testament. Matthew, first book in the New Testament. 400 years of silence. They have generations. They have history of hearing the Lord. And then 400 years of silence. And then in Matthew, boom, we meet this baby boy, the expected Savior. He showed up, and he did what he said he was going to do. He just didn't do it the way they expected. He did it through a baby in the flesh from a virgin he didn't do it the way they expected, did he? Um, the disciples—they're walking with Jesus, right? They're three years. They eat, they breathe, they sleep, and they're—they're they're so tired of being in bondage, and they're looking for him to set up reign on the earth. Do you remember this in the scripture? The triumphal entry—he's on the donkeys going into Jerusalem. And they thought he was going to set up kingdom reign right then. And he goes, you're not hearing me. I'm going to die, and in three days I'm going to raise the temple. He did what he said he would do, just not in the way they expected it. They wanted it right then, the kingdom to reign right then. And that's not what Jesus had planned. But he will do what he said he will do, because he's going to set up reign. So God does what he says he'll do, just not in the way we expect it sometimes. Um, Okay, I have this beautiful story. So in this conversation I'm having with the Lord um, about expectations, there's this orchid in my bathroom, and it's dead. My sweet husband and boys have given it to me probably four years ago. It lives beside my bathtub. I forget to take water to my like. I don't take ice cubes to the bathroom to water this orchid. I, do y'all know that that's how you water orchids, just like little ice cubes? Okay, so one morning, not too long ago, uh, Van, my husband, goes for the orchid to pull it up. And I go, whoa, don't do anything. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, you cannot take that orchid away. He's like, actually, it's dead. Mm-hmm. And when I say dead, I mean it's dead. Look, the leaves are crumpled here. Like, you could. see... Snap that, it's so dead and dry and brittle, right? And he's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm going, listen, I'm just something, God's speaking to me about he brings life from death. He resurrects things. He breathes life into dead things. And I said at that moment with him, with the Lord, I go, what are you talking to me about? What is dead in your life? That he needs to bring life to. What is dead that needs resurrecting in you? You can write that down if you want to. Like, because I'm sure at that moment, some some the Lord just spoke to some of you. What is it that you're asking him to breathe life into? So he was talking to me about this orchid. So for a couple of weeks, every day I'd go in my bathroom, and this orchid was sitting right between our two sinks. Like you got two. So Van just shoved it right back in there, and I. And not only was he seeing it, my oldest son was seeing it. And I'm going, Lord, it's so dead. What are you trying to say to me? But I've got this faith, right? I've got this faith that I don't know if I'm going to walk in there one day and green leaves are going to pop out on that dead, thing, that dead orchid or not. So um, after a couple of weeks of walking this conversation with the Lord, I show up at a friend's on Friday morning, two sweet women that I get to meet with um, and walk through the word with. And when I walk in that morning, I'm running about five minutes late, and I'm rushing in the door, and I'm so sorry I'm late. I'm so sorry. And I turn this corner, and there's this gorgeous orchid. It's got like seven or eight blooms on it. And Kim goes, it's for you. It's your Happy New Year gift. Well, they have no idea I've got a dead orchid sitting in my bathroom, right? They have no idea I've been having this conversation with the Lord about bringing life from dead things, about bringing beauty from ashes, about resurrecting things, about his power to do that. And so at that moment I got to release that testimony to those sweet women and say, hey, let me tell you about this dead orchid and let me tell you about how crazy I look to my family talking to them about God's gonna bring life from this dead orchid and I walk in and God has this beautiful orchid for me. There's no way she could have known I was having that conversation with him. God's that personal, and he does what he says he'll do. He just doesn't do it the way I expect him to. So I was sharing that story with a friend, and here's what she came back to me. She goes, Ashley, this is what the Lord's trying to tell you. You wanted him to fix what you had. And what I had was a very dead and brittle orchid. And what he did is he gave you something brand new and beautiful. And so I just want to go, what, what is it? What's dead? And you just keep going, God, if you would just change that. God, if you would just work right there. God, if you would just. And God's going to go, he's ushering in something brand new and beautiful. He doesn't just take and patch things. He gives an exchange of beautiful and brand new. Just like when we came to him, when he saved us, we became new creatures. We weren't old creatures just fixed up. Just Janice said last night, the old man is dead. We were brand new creatures. God's giving, brand new and beautiful. So I get to tell my family this because they think I'm crazy with this dead orchid, right? So I can remember one Sunday, we were sitting around the table. And I'm telling my children this. And, of course, Van and I have already had this conversation. And my boys, they're just, you know, typical boys around the table. They're like, Mom's going to that deep play." Mom's always talking about stuff, right? Always having too many words. I'm sharing this story. And I have both orchids sitting right there. And I said, so you see, God brings brand new and beautiful when I wanted him to fix what I had. Well, during this exact same season of time, a few weeks of time, I have a 14-year-old who uh, loves basketball. And last year, this hits my mama buttons. Last year, he was invited onto a basketball team that he was supposed to walk with all the way through high school. That's five years, right? So we fast forward a year, and he is... uh, released from the team, if you will. Um, Not so many words. Ten players, the team's going to move forward with eight. He's kind of in those, uh, he's at ninth or tenth player. He's the only one on this team that plays another sport. Um, So it makes sense. It's hurtful. It makes sense. There's disappointment, a 14-year-old boy. um, And he's talking, he's saying things like, I just wish I could be on the team. I just, I, I'm, I love my friends. I loved playing on that team. So he wants to just settle for being a part of the team. And I'm, and I'm encouraging him, and I'm going, but you go after what God has for you. That's not the only team. You go after what God has for you. But he's wanting what he has to be fixed, right? He has the courage. Uh, we, we go to another couple of triumphs. Um, And at this one particular tryout, which is very rare at this age anyway, if you remember in the beginning, he was invited to a team last year. At this age, it's mostly invitation. It's not these open tryouts. Um, So this last-minute information came to us. We go. After that tryout, the coach comes up to him and says, nobody knows this. We have most of our team from last year. We were just looking for a key piece. And you're that peace. Those are the words he said to my son. And so I, after I had released this beautiful testimony that God had given to me over my children, he, God at the same time was doing that in my 14-year-old's life. That is a wow moment for me. Because it wasn't just me. God was doing a two-for-one. He was doing it for me. But as my people watched then he was doing it with my 14 year old and now he has a story of his own right so he's not just tolerated somewhere but he's celebrated here mm-hmm. listen to that God doesn't just tolerate us God delights celebrates us Eli wanted it fixed he just wanted it fixed fixed and God said, "No, I'm going to bring you brand new and beautiful." God brought beauty from ashes. The temptation was to be disappointed, and then God moved in with brand new and beautiful. Um. Who? No first people I've really said, shared that with. That's a little tender. Um. So disappointment. Here's what Christine Kane says about disappointment. In each of those stories, the Macbook story, the Orchid story, Eli's basketball story, the temptation was disappointment, and I could have stopped right there. It's like temptation was right here going, aren't you going to be disappointed? Aren't you disappointed? You didn't get the free Macbook. Aren't you disappointed? Green leaves didn't come out on that dead Orchid Eli's not where you thought he would be. The plan didn't stay the same. Aren't you disappointed? And I'm going, I'm not disappointed. I'm not listening to it, okay? Because disappointment is a feeling. It's a veil. I wouldn't have called it a veil at the moment, but it's so beautiful how God orchestrates things, right? Okay, so Christine Kane says this about disappointment. Disappointment is that let down feeling where our emotions bottom out and our faith does too. It's a powerful, destructive force that can leave us stuck in a moment through which we filter and even forfeit future experiences. Hmm. We get stuck. Can you repeat both of those? Yes. Disappointment is that let down feeling hmm. where our emotions bottom out and our faith does too. Disappointment is a powerful destructive force that can leave us stuck in a moment on our timeline of life. We're stuck in this moment, and we're forfeiting the future experiences. It's a force that we've got to face and overcome to live a life full of faith, embracing the unexpected. Embracing the unexpected. So in, the, in my life, I was sitting in the, in the face of disappointment. That was the temptation. I could have said yes. I could have given in to the temptation of that. But with continued disappointment, doubt and unbelief can take root. With continued disappointment, had I given in to that temptation... Doubt and unbelief could have taken root. And do you remember part of my story was I lived in this whole season of my life, multiple years. I'm not asking because I don't want to be disappointed. What experiences did I forfeit because I was stuck? And I love that God writes redemption stories. So I don't have to worry about what I missed. But I don't have to be stuck. I can move forward expecting, embracing the unexpected. Um, I'm convinced, I'm convinced, disappointment is one of the greatest demonic strategies out there. I'm convinced, and you can't tell me otherwise. And I don't think I'm going to find that written in the scripture anywhere, okay? Okay? I may find some principles that might lead that. I'm convinced we are not to live in disappointment with our God because he does what he says he will do. And he works in such fun, unexpected ways. So that's where he's brought me. That's the beautiful revelation. I now have this adventure with him. I don't, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. And he does speak to us. He is speaking to you. So allow him the process of giving you the revelation along the journey. Don't get stuck in disappointment. Um, I don't want to miss my adventure with God uh, by getting stuck way back here in disappointment. And disappointment doesn't change his purpose for you. It may be a delay. It may be a wandering in the desert, like for me, for several years. But it doesn't change who you are, and it doesn't change His purpose for you. Um, It does take childlike faith, though. Childlike faith is required to please God. And I do believe that childlike faith is a breeding ground. We're talking about seeds, we're talking about good soil. Childlike faith is this breeding ground for expectancy and adventure. I can expect him to do what he says he'll do. I just don't know how he's going to do it. Sometimes he may tell you how he's going to do it. But in the journey comes the fresh revelation. In the journey is how we know him deeper. The disappointment was a part of my journey, but it was a pass-through. It was not a resting place. So, are you resting there? Are you stuck? I thought you were waving at me. Is that funny? No, no, no. Are you resting there? God, that picture just came to mind about her trudging through the mud. In that clip last night, are you, are, you, do you, are you in this mud of disappointment that you're trudging through, that you're stuck? Let it be a pass through. It's not your final destination. It was a part of my journey, but it was not my resting place. Um, God's restored my heart. He's exchanged my heart of disappointment with his heart full of hope and expectancy. And he's trustworthy. I can trust him. Even if I don't know what's going to happen or how he's going to show up, he's trustworthy. Fact versus feeling. Okay, so um, we all we've talked to some about feelings, right? Uh, there's an analogy we've done in Wednesday morning class uh, about feelings are like our kids. You know, we would never let our feelings ride. I mean, our kids ride in the front seat, right? They got a car seat. We put them in the car seat. We strap them in. We put them where they belong. They don't get to drive the car, right? Sometimes my feelings drive my car and they eat my lunch at the same time, right? So then you have, I have this picture of, nope, they've got to get strapped back in their car seat. They're not driving my car. Fact versus feeling. Okay, so a short uh, or a example of that. Uh, one of my sons is supposed to take out the trash. It's his job, his duty. Always has been, like no question. I don't have to say take out the trash. You know, I have to say take out the trash all the time. <laughs> um, one morning, I said, "Hey," I reminded him gently, but instead, he walked out the door without taking out the trash. Okay, so the fact is, he just forgot, right? He's in a hurry. He's a teenage boy. His dad's in the car, going, "Come on, we gotta go. We gotta get you there on time, so you're not targeted." Those are the facts, right? The feeling could have been, he doesn't love me because he doesn't obey me. He doesn't respect me. He's uh, lazy. He shirks responsibility. He. You see where I'm saying? You see where this feeling could have taken me to a whole different reality? You ever done that? You ever create this reality based on what you're feeling? When the fact is, he just forgot. There was no intention behind it. But I could have made up this entire reality about him not taking out the trash. right? Like, so strap your feelings in the car seat, in the back seat. What are the facts? What's God saying about that? Um... Will you pull up that scripture for me? Uh, So, back to disappointment was part of my journey. God's worthy to do. God is worthy. He's trustworthy. Uh, His truth alone has the power to help us move from hopeless to hopeful and live faithful and faith-filled. That was another quote from Christine Kane. The truth alone, the fact... Alone has the power to help us move from hopeless to hopeful and live faithful and faith-filled lives. The truth alone has the power to help us move. So the truth has the power to help us move from hopeless to hopeful. And live faithful and faith-filled. The truth alone. So let His truth crush the lies you've been believing. There's a song we sing, and that's part, that's one line in there that just reverberates. You ever hear that one thing, and just God's Spirit so pulsates yours? It reverberates with me every time I hear that song. The weight of His truth crushes the lies I've been believing. The truth alone has power to help us move from hopeless to hopeful. All right, this is the amplified version. You just need to look at uh, verse 1. This is Hebrews 1, which you know is the hall of faith, right, in the scripture. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, those divinely guaranteed things, those things we can hope for and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So faith is not this. You muster it up. It's not something we strive in. Childlike faith is a place we get to live with him. And faith comprehends as fact, the truth, what your physical senses cannot experience. Um, Faith is not a feeling. And so come back to our, our feeling of disappointment. Even when I'm disappointed, I move forward in faith. Even when you're disappointed, we move forward in faith. We don't stay stuck in disappointment. We move. Okay. Um, I hope that that blessed you. Uh, that really is my hope. I don't really care if it did or not. But I, my hope is. I, I have to catch myself when I say words like that. My performance rises up. Um, here's what I want us to do in the ministry time. Because I know I what I'm believing is that God has pinged something for you. And I want to ask you this question. Because... He wants to transform our minds with his truth. He wants to crush some of those lies we've been believing. Let the weight of his truth crush those lies. Here's how I feel about. So on your paper, this is what I want you to write down. Here is how I feel about. And I'm going to give you a list of things. So in my analytical mind, I would make two sides of the column. You know, on my paper, I'm making two columns here. One side is here's how I feel about my relationship with the Lord. My marriage, if you're married. Here's how I feel about my finances. Here's how I feel about my dreams. Here's how I feel about my gifts. My spiritual gifts that have been given to you by the Holy Spirit. Here's how I feel about my home. Here's how I feel about my health. Your view of you. Here's how I feel about my view of me. Here's how I feel about my business or your job. I'm going to give you a few minutes. I want you to write I just, I just want you to fill that out where the Lord is pinging you and then I'm going to give you the second part. And so now is this time to do this exchange with the Lord. Nobody's looking at your paper. You're I'm not, we're not going to have, you know, Q&A. We're not going to raise your hand and tell me what's on your paper. It is really between you and the Lord. And so I would encourage you not to waste the time we've come away we've blocked off this time to be with him to be with each other but to really be with him so don't zone out don't start making a grocery list you know don't start thinking oh I gotta pee so bad I gotta go like really get in there with the Lord what is it how do you feel about those things Do you have the music going? Or are you looking So, in a minute, I'm going to ask you on the other side of the column to ask God how He feels about those things. How does He feel about your relationship with Him? How does he feel about your marriage, your finances, your dreams, those that he's given you? How does he feel about your gifts? How does he feel about your home and your health? How does he feel about his view of you? How does he feel about your business or your job? ask him how he feels and listen for his answer and let the weight of his truth crush the lies I also do want to clarify if you'll permit me to back up a moment feelings are real please don't mishear me when I say you're not to feel feelings they're real and they're valid We just don't let him rule us. The peace of Christ rules in our heart, not our feelings.